Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Well, uh, welcome, Mercy Northeast. I know y'all are out there rocking and rolling, and welcome to those that are online. And so, for those that don't know me, my name is Pastor Richard. I am one of the pastors here, and I have the pleasure of presenting God's Word uh, to us this morning. Um, but before we dive in, I just want to just uh, give, just spend some time in prayer, because y'all, like, without, without us being led by, by God in prayer, Lord, uh, this word will go on deaf ears. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will you join me in prayer? Uh, Lord, we are incredibly gracious that each week, Lord, we can come to this place to sing our praises to you, to give you our worship, and to come and hear uh, from your word. But, Lord, we also acknowledge that throughout the week, Lord, that our hearts have strayed, that our eyes have wandered, and Lord, that we have lost sight. So Lord, I ask that today that your word will be a reminder of what you have done for us and through us in Christ. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to hide me behind the cross. Jesus, will you be magnified? Will you be glorified today? So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, our God, our Redeemer, to whom we trust. Let the saints say, amen, amen. Awesome. So um, who would you guys will be, will say that who's the, the most famous main character and sidekick uh, combo? Uh, maybe if you're old school, you've been around a hot minute, you may say uh, Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon, right? Right? Or, or, or how about Batman and Robin? Or Jordan and Pippin, right? Or, or, or how about Diana Ross and the, and the Supremes? Or my all-time favorite, Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5, right? Y'all want me to do that again for y'all? Yeah. All right. All right, there you go. There you go. Yeah, we, we're a Baptist church dancing in this joint. Uh, y'all, so, so with, with all of, of your characters, we can see that there is a main person and then there is a sidekick. And, and if we're all honest, none of us wants to be the sidekick, right? In fact, I know that many of y'all have got on BuzzFeed and took that quiz, and you were sorely disappointed that you were not the main character. You, I, I was categorized as some girl I'd never heard of from, from Australia, right? Uh, and, and so I was like, what in the world? I was disappointed. And we often are disappointed whenever we aren't the main character of our story. 
right? And so as we enter into our sermon this morning, we're going to be, be, be in our series, as we've been talking about for the past few weeks, For God So Loved the World. We're trying to help us move from, from this abstract reality about God to an intimate reality about God. And we're going to be diving into the life of this character we're going to learn today about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he's going to play the role as the sidekick as we explore the main drama of redemption that stars Jesus Christ. So, so, so we're going to be inside uh, John chapter 1, 6 through 14, and we are going to see John's purpose as relates to God's plan, then explore our purpose as relates to God's plan. The title of our, of our sermon today, his plan, our purpose. But, but before we, we, we go in, I want to give us some definitions when it comes down to this word purpose, because there's a million self-help books out there. There's, there's all of these things that tell you about your purpose. And so purpose as definition is to help us to understand the why behind we exist. Purpose is different from calling, right? Calling is concrete for everyone who is a believer in Jesus. Um, your calling as a believer who, who's been blood-bought by his, by his blood is that your call is for you to be a disciple, that is to know God, and for, your, and for you to make disciples. That is that's your calling. There is no negotiation about your calling in your life. But we all have distinct purposes. So with that, let's look at verse Seven, verse six and seven. All right. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. So uh, those who've been with us the past two weeks, we are inside this, the, the prologue of, of John, um, verses 1 through 18, gives us the, an introduction about the whole book of the, of the Bible and what we're going to get ourselves into. Last week, Pastor Scott and, and Pastor um, Josh let us know that Christ is the light, light and victory that gives light to all men. Right? He, um, um, verses 1 through 5 gives us this beautiful exaltation of who Christ is. But then we take a sharp turn in verse 6. There's a man sent from God whose name was John. Y'all, that's, that's weird, right? Like, 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 why would the text spend all this time talking about Jesus and then there's this homeboy named John that pops up on the screen? <laughs> I had the same questions. But we have to understand the context of who the writer John is talking to. He's talking to the Jews. And so there, there are two reasons why, why John was mentioned here in this text. First one is this, is that the Jews knew the Old Testament narrative, and they experienced the ministry of John the Baptist, and they needed an explanation of, of who he was. Because again, he was the sidekick, Jesus was the main character, and they're like, all right, who is this John guy, right? Secondly, they needed to know that, they needed to know his character in light of Christ's redemption. Why was he important? So, to make this make sense, our writer, John, right, Jesus, his disciple, who never addresses himself as John, inside, inside the text, he always says, um, the beloved disciple communicating his intimacy with Jesus, the beloved disciple, John, 
is our TV host. So imagine we are um, watching American Idol and that John is Ryan uh, Seacrest. Um, probably different skin tone. But, um, but, 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 but as, as, y'all, as you've seen American Idol, um, Ryan Seacrest, the narrator, often before someone famous or someone really good is about to come out on stage, they give like a narrative of their backstory, right? Um, he, um, Ryan explains why this person is about to come um, on the t- on television show, and then eventually they're going to be one of the top five contestants of American Idol, right? And so that's what John is doing for us. He's letting us see the character that we're about to learn, the backstory about John. So let's look at verse 7. He tells us that John came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. There it is. That was his purpose, to witness and to testify. But check this. Look, look at the text. It says, he was sent by God, not on his own initiative, but by who? Y'all can, y'all can talk back to me. God, right? God. So that the people will have the opportunity to see the light. As the sidekick, John's main job was to exalt the Lord Jesus. And as the main character, Jesus has already been um, preparing to hit the stage of, 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 of the public stage of human history. And John is, is his hype man, right? So imagine we're inside this, this, this concert and John, you know, who's who, who been to a concert? I know all y'all have. Don't, don't, don't y'all be lying in church. Y'all, y'all, y'all been to a concert and prob- for probably only one of them was, was Christian. That, that is, okay. That is okay. You know, I love me some, some Kendrick too. Um, but, but, but John was the hype man. And, and, and he's, he's, he's setting the stage. He is preparing the stage for Jesus. And so our MC is about to let us know about the story of JTB. Did y'all get that? And here's what, what he says. We're gonna give a, he's going to give us a quick narrative. I'm going to give us a quick narrative through uh, the Bible. Matthew 3, 5 through 8. And so again, we're trying to understand John's ministry. Matthew 3, it says, Then people from Jerusalem, all of Judea, and all the vicinity of Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river, um, Jordan River, confessing their sins. And when they, when they saw many of Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. So y'all, what we need to know is that God's people, the Jews, their hearts have been callous towards his words. And there's been a 400-year Gap between a prophet speaking to God's people. It ends in Malachi, and then 400 years later, a prophet comes up preparing God's heart for the Christ. They needed a message of judgment. They needed a, a, a message to call them to repentance because you can't be saved unless you know that you're lost. He needed to show them Y'all are lost as a goose, and you need Jesus, right? John's purpose 
was to shine the light of Christ. And y'all, his message was hard. Just think about this. This man's message was hard. He spent most of his life in obscurity, in the wilderness. Then 30 years later, he hops upon the scene and he gives a hard message to his own people. That's hard. Then let's look at Malachi verses 4, 4 through 6. It says, Remember the instructions of Moses, my servant, the statutes and ordinances I have commanded him at Harab for all of Israel. Look, I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. And otherwise I will come and strike the land with a curse. So y'all, this is a big deal here. This is the last few lines of the last book of the Old Testament talking about Elijah. And for those that are familiar with the New Testament, Jesus tells us that Elijah is John the Baptist himself. And the prophet Moses, back in Exodus, y'all, back in Exodus, prophesied that Elijah will come speaking on God's behalf, preparing God's people for the message of Christ. We see this fulfilled in Luke 1, 13 through 17, which is showing the fulfillment of John's ministry. Y'all, this is mind-blowing to the Jews. They're like, what in the world? The thing we've been waiting on all of our life is being presented in front of us. Our grandfathers and their children didn't see it, but now they're seeing it. Then lastly, let's look at Matthew 11, 4 through 6. So Jesus replied to them, go report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walked, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news, and blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. So y'all, to give y'all some context, John was in prison, about to be murdered and killed. And it looked like that his ministry was going to come to a foreclosure because he didn't, have, he, didn't, he didn't cross paths with Jesus. And then he heard of his ministry. Oh, we. All right. Brian, all right, I, I see you. All right. Um, and then, and then, then he heard of, of his ministry, so he sent his disciples to go check out what, what he was doing. And then, then Jesus told, hey, Go back to John and tell him that his ministry was not in vain. Y'all, this man labored. He lived in obscurity. He labored inside the wilderness. And when he came upon the scene, it seemed like his message was in in vain. But Jesus wanted to remind him, it's done. The opener has let the closer know that he did a good job. So, so what, what can we gather here? What, what can, can we take from this? As, as John and his purpose, as the forerunner for us, I, I need y'all, y'all to see this. God decided, instead of passing by humanity and their sin and their brokenness and their ruinous, he decided to use humanity to accomplish his plan. 
Y'all, he saw fit to use us. His plan and his purposes. Do you see it? He put John there to show you and I that you have a purpose within his plan. He saw fit to use us, to use him. And as I alluded before, all of us, y'all, we all have distinct purposes within God's plan. It is going to be different, but we need to be reckoned with that we are not the main character. That is Jesus. He is the one on display. He is the one where we move and have our being. That's why the writer starts out with creation to show us that, that, that in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. So that we can see that Jesus' glory is meant to shine. Right? right? So, so what does this mean for us? God's plans, our purposes. Well, I got three points for us flowing from, from the text to help us to get some clarity. I'm not going to give you everything you need to know, but hopefully this will give you a foundation as you consider your purpose within God's plan. Right? All right. Point number one. To, to fulfill his plan and purposes for your life, you need to know that you came from God and for God. I'll, I'll say that again. To fulfill his purposes, to fulfill his plan and purposes for your life, you need to know that you came from God and for God. So many of us are searching for a purpose, Right? That's why we throw ourselves into our activities, into our hobbies, into our children, into our work, into our relationships, because we're all trying to find meaning and purpose. But the Bible wants us to be clear that you came from God and for God. That's your purpose. You came from God and for him. Verse 8, it says, he was not the light, but look at this, but he came, circle that, to testify about the light. To testify about who? The light. Jesus. John knew he was not the Messiah. The Bible tells us. All the people were telling him, bro, you are the hot stuff. You are, you are the man. He knew he wasn't Jesus. And, and, and as he stepped upon the scene, as I said before, he lived about 30 years in hardness. It was hard, y'all. He lived in the wilderness, eating locusts and honey. That's terrible, right? I want me a steak every, every now and then, like, come on, some brisket. But, but, but honey and locusts? Come on, God. Um, he faithfully raised disciples. And he was faithful to Jesus. But y'all would need to check this. As he waited and when his time came, he spoke with intention, with power, and purpose. Are you willing to wait on God? You see, Many of us in our lives, when we get a word from God, we tend to want to fast track our purpose in our lives because we heard a message from him. 
You see, John heard a message from God. If you look back in the, in the Luke narrative, John, John got a word from God before he was even born, right? The angel came to his mother and told him what he was going to do. God changed his name from Zechariah to John the Baptist intentionally because he had a plan. He had a purpose for him. But y'all, he had to wait. He had to wait. In fact, if you look at John's message that was given to him and to every saint that was in the Bible, often their message from God came in the wilderness. Then after being in the wilderness, there was a waiting in the wilderness, and then came the assignment. So my question for you, how are you going to wait on God in the obscurity? in your brokenness, in your hardship, are you going to wait on God? Or are you going to to try to microwave his purposes in your life? And y'all, when that happens, good things do not bear fruit. It doesn't bear fruit. And so, so then what happens, instead of waiting on God, we start blaming God. God, you didn't do that. You did this, start blaming. And then what happens is that our immaturity start cashing checks that we can't pay for. Because, because, because maturity happens in, in the waiting. It, it happens, happens in the hardship. It happens in the things that you would never dream for yourself. We got to wait on, on God's timing, y'all. So, so as, a, as, a, as an action step, I just want to challenge you to, to pray this this week. Lord, teach me to love the preparation. I dare you to ask that prayer towards him. Teach me to love the preparation. But we got to keep moving on. Point two. To fulfill his plans and purposes for our, our lives, you need to learn the rhythm of demonstrating and declaring the gospel in your everyday life. Let's look at verses um, eight and nine. It says, he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, the true light that gives light to everyone um, was coming into the world. And so again, John the writer, our MC, is explaining to us about what John was doing, right? It says that, that he came to testify about Jesus. We heard that time and time again. But check this, whenever we do that, Bible says light shines. It shines. And, and, and what we can even see more in this text was that John lived 30 plus years doing this inside his everyday life. He wasn't on, on the stage yet. 30 plus years of just living in the wilderness, living his life for the glory of Jesus. And for us, Whenever we hear a word from God and we get his purpose, we hear his purposes for us, we tend to remain stagnant in obedience because we're not seeing fruit. And so then, instead of walking in God's purpose, we're walking in disobedience. 
But, but, but what John did was that in his normal everyday rhythms, as he was living, as he was breathing, as he was speaking, he was demonstrating and declaring the gospel. Just doing it in his natural rhythm. Why? Because he knew he was what? Sent from God. That's intimacy language, y'all. That's not just a phrase. He knew where he came from. He knew his brokenness. He knew his sin. A broke person knows how, how to show you how to get fixed. And that is Jesus himself. So what, what am I getting at here? I think that many of us, including myself, y'all, when it comes down to church and living for God, we often live our lives in the sacred and secular divide. What I, what I mean, we have our church things over here, and we have everything else over here. So what then happens? Those worlds never collide, and light doesn't shine. So a way to do this practically, um, you probably aren't going to be on the street corner sharing the gospel every single day. But you can not cut corners at work. You can be a person who represents Jesus by being a person of patience, of kindness, and gentleness. You probably aren't going to go to to India overseas one one day. That's probably not the case. But you can go love your neighbor. In fact, invite your physical neighbor over to your house. Light shines. You know, perhaps some of y'all are disappointed that your heyday of gospel ministry is gone, right? You were in college, on the college campus, making disciples and doing all of these things, but now it seems like gospel ministry has dried up. You can be faithful in loving your spouse, loving your kids, helping them know, know how to be formed upon the gospel, You can do that. God has called you to be faithful in the obscurity. We don't wait. We we don't wait to be obedient. We be obedient now. And when we are obedient to the call, the purpose will come. But I want to ask you all a question. Would, Would you be okay if your purpose never came? What if you live, breathe, Preach Christ, and then you were forgotten. Are you okay with that? What what if God has called you to be the planter and not the harvester? You see, some of us will experience great things with God and for God. But it's him that gets the growth, not us. Our job is to be patient and and to be obedient in the right now. Speaking and preaching the gospel in our everyday lives. The good news of Jesus. I got to keep moving. Point three. To fulfill his plan and purpose for your life, you need to know that you are a child of God. Let's look at verses 10 through 14. Again, this is John writing about John the Baptist and all creation narrative. He says, he was in the world, talking about Jesus, And the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. And then he goes, and then he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Circle that word, receive. But to all who did receive him, again, circle that again, he gave them the right to be children of God. Underline that. To to those who believe in his name, 
who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and he observed his glory and the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And so, y'all, we must remember again that John is our MC, and he is trying to connect verses 1 all the way through 18. He's, he's, he's threading this, this thread. He, he talks about Christ in verse 1 through 5, Christ as the proof of creation. And then he hops back into this inside verse 10. And as Christ is proof of creation, he contrasts that to humanity's blindness. Light and light and darkness. He says all of creation knows his purpose except for humanity. That's why Jesus came down and dwelled among them. The word became flesh and dwelt among us so that we can see him, our creator, our maker, who gives us identity and gives us purpose. You see, the the Jews, they were God's chosen people. They believed that they must work their way up to God to do something right in order to be loved by God. In verse 10 10 to 13, it says um, they thought it was their ethnicity, their heritage, their effort, their will in order to know God. But the writer is saying how that you know God is by receiving Christ. And how does one receive Christ? He says, he says it twice, receive, receive. Receive him as you are a child of God. Children don't pick their parents. The parent picks the child in both natural birth and adoption. The parent picks the child. And you need to know that because of Christ, Christ chose you. Not on your merit, not on your effort, not because you've done something right. He chose you because he made you. So that's why he sent Christ down. Christ came as a man among humanity because we could not live out our design before God. So he sent Jesus for you and I. Christ came. He lived a life that we could not live. He died a death that should have been ours. And then, and then he went to the grave. He defeated sin and death because of our rebellion. And then he, and then he rose from the grave. And, and then he gave us his spirit so we can know God. So we can know God. So we can know that we are a child. So so for those that don't know you are a child, you can receive him today. Receiving is an intentional act, right? You you can receive him. If if you're floundering of, of what's your purpose and identity, there's true identity found in Jesus. So will you do that? God himself has made himself known to humanity. But for those who are a child of God, you have a good good father who loves you deeply. He thinks the world of you. He is pleased with you because you are found in Christ. But like myself, you struggle with that. As I even say those words, you're like, I don't believe that. And so then you try to find purpose outside of him instead of in him. I want to close this with, with this story because we're out of time. I want to, I want to conclude here. There was, this, there was this man and woman 
named David and Tavea Flood. They were the first missionaries sent to the Congo over 100 years ago. And, and during their, their first year of being out there, they did not see a single, a single convert um, that was led um, to faith. Their only gospel achievement was that there was this little five-year-old boy who would go um, to their back door to deliver eggs to them every single day, and Savea ended up leading this young uh, kid to faith. Shortly after that happens, Savea died. But before she, she died, she had a baby. And she died during childbirth. And her husband, David, was now a widow, 27 years old, stricken with grief because what God told him to go do, it didn't seem like it was coming to actually fruition. No gospel ministry, no fruit. His wife died and he's with this baby. So he gives up the baby to another missionary couple that there was with them, and he walks away from the faith. And then this next couple that was raising the baby, the baby's name was, well, was Ana. They were raising her, and she's now a toddler. And because the villagers didn't like what they were doing, they poisoned that couple, and they died three days apart from each other. And then they gave the child to another couple, who, who was a, a pastor um, inside South uh, Dakota, and the girl was raised in South Dakota, and they changed the girl's name from, from, from Ana to, to Aggie. And she married this missionary um, president of this Bible college. And, and on their 25th wedding anniversary, the Bible college decided to give them a gift to go overseas. And as they were overseas, she came across a magazine with a cover of her mother's tomb. And then she found a translator and, and, and then found the, tra- the location of her mother's tomb and she found out that her dad was still alive. Meanwhile, they go to this missionary conference in London, about 10,000 missionaries. And one of the, the main speakers happened to be from the same region where her parents ministered. And after the, after the message, this is about 50 years later, after the message, Aggie went up to the man with an interpreter and asked him, hey, do you happen to know the the floods? And the guy said, yes, every day I would go to Savannah's flood back door with a basket of eggs, and she would tell me about Jesus. He 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 said, I didn't know there was a single convert besides me. Shortly afterwards, I accepted Christ. She died, and her husband left. He says, she, she left a baby named, named Ana, and, and I always wonder what happened to her. Then Aggie, with big eyes, said to her, I'm Ana. And y'all, they hugged like brothers and sisters. But, 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 then, but then the man told her, he says, just a few months ago, I laid some flowers on your mother's tomb, on mother's grave, to thank her for the 10,000 believers in Congo. And he told Aggie, thank you for letting your mother die so, so that many of us could live. And y'all, the story gets even better. She, she then goes, finds her father, and he finds out he's not doing well. He's angry. He's depressed. He's bitter. And many told, told her to not go uh, to him. 
But, but she went to her father and said, because that's what she felt like God asked her to do, and went to her father and said, Father, I was cared for, and your ministry was not in vain. There are thousands of believers. There are schools everywhere because of your ministry. Her father then sobbed, repented, returned to Jesus, and he died two weeks later. When it comes to your purpose, is your ministry worth the one? David didn't know the purpose of his ministry, the effect of it. John the Baptist did not know the effects of his ministry. And you won't know. But your purpose is to walk according to God's plan and allow him to determine the impact of your ministry. With that, let me pray for us. Lord, Lord Jesus, we are grateful that we get to be called sons and daughters of you. Lord, we are grateful that, Lord, you have laid out your, your message for us of what you desire for us. Your desire for us is to know you, to make you known, to exalt you. Your, your, our desire for you is, is, is for us to have intimate joy in you, Lord. So help us with that, Lord. Lord, help us to wait in the preparation. So we love you. Let me pray. Amen.